Verhage now. Left it for Duclair. Petrano, one-timer, and he scores! Frank Petrano rips it home! Power play again, two-zip. The old 50-50s. You gotta win the 50-50s. Here's a chance, Lundell scores! Anton Lundell makes it 3-0 Panthers! Now Ekblad chips it through to Huberto, cross-ice feed to Claire in front, Reinhardt, the pass, the shot, the goal! Patrick Hornquist, tic-tac-toe! Now the puck comes free and Ronta all the way up, and he is hammered by Lombard, and Ronta is on the ice, and Lombard did not make any attempt to get out of the way of the Canes netminder, and the Canes coming to the aid of Auntie Ronta. This is the Canes Corner Podcast with host Adam Gold, presented by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. The Canes Corner Podcast is part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network. Now, here's your host, Adam Gold. Welcome to the Canes Corner Podcast. I am Adam Gold. Thank you very much for spending some time with us. You can't go 81-1 and without first going 9-1. and I don't care. I'm using the joke. Carolina's off to a great start this year. Stunk tonight, got a loss, moving on. No need to find any uh, grand meaning out of it other than I think we've been building to this, and we will talk about it. Uh, We are brought to you by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. If it's for the exterior of your home, you can find it at the Aluminum Company of North Carolina on Hamlin Road in Durham. Sammy Hanna's crew do a great job siding, roofing. Entry doors, storm doors, they have it all. At the Aluminum Company of North Carolina, you get a free no-obligation estimate online, aluminumcompany.com. Look, this was bound to happen. Carolina Hurricanes were bound to take a loss. Obviously, uh, they weren't going to go 82-0. and It was pretty cool that the joke lasted three weeks or whatever it was. Um, but the truth is, and I've been saying this for a while, Canes haven't been on top of their game. I think the last... In my opinion, the last complete game Carolina played was the 3-1 win. 3-1 or 4-1? It's uh, 3-1 against Toronto. It was last Monday. Not this Monday. Last Monday. Think about it. Just haven't been very sharp. First goal allowed is not a big deal as long as you're playing well. They allowed the first goal to Toronto, but they played well. They won that game. But if you're not playing well, then it looks worse because, you know, you fall behind again. Uh, And they were able to mitigate these first goal issues for the most part, especially the last three, because they played bad teams. So think about this. You're just going to have to agree with me or not. I mean, I don't have to. Uh, Carolina played well against Toronto almost two weeks ago and won the game. But the next game, three days later against Boston, that Thursday night at PNC Arena, Carolina wasn't very dangerous. Both of their goals before the empty netter by Svechnikov, both of their goals were lucky. Uh, one of them was more normal. It was a, um, a D'Angelo shot that glanced off of a Boston player's stick and beat Jeremy Swayman. The other one was Nino's centering pass that went off the skating in. I mean, they really weren't dangerous in the game, but they won it 3-0. They played well defensively. They didn't allow Boston a ton either. 
And that's that. But they weren't offensively potent in that game. Then uh, the Chicago game the next night was gong show. An absolute gong show. The Blackhawks are terrible. Blackhawks fired Jeremy Colleton, their head coach today. Then they beat Arizona 2-1. Sort of a gut check, right? You uh, you tie the game up late in the second period and a Martin Natchez shot that deflects off of, what was it, Christian Fisher, the goal scorer for Arizona. Carolina wasn't great in the first period, got away with it. Uh, but you get the sort of a fortunate goal in late in the second period. And then the Brett, you get the Brett Pesci game winner also in the power play. Uh, but, I mean, basically, you got one goal on your own without Arizona helping out. Uh, and then you go to Chicago, and the Hurricanes win 4-3, but they won 4-3 because Marc-Andre Fleury was bad. At least two, probably three of those goals he wants back. So we've been building to this point. That's my opinion, anyway. And at some point, if you didn't start playing better, this was going to happen. But in defense or in fairness to the Hurricanes, they had been finding ways to crank it up, to turn it on when they needed it, and they were getting wins, and they're banking wins. And 9-1-0 is not a joke. They beat the Islanders on on opening night. I mean, that that's a Stanley Cup contender, as the Hurricanes are a Stanley Cup contender. Beat the Islanders on opening night. They win, win that game against Toronto. Uh, anytime you beat Boston's a good win. I don't care if Boston didn't play well. Carolina helped them not play well. Again, Carolina was just not good offensively in that game. But Carolina was very good defensively. But what is Carolina struggling with? 22nd in the league coming in in uh, penalty minutes. Went to the box again. Couldn't stay out of the box. Three power play goals in the first period for Florida. We'll go through those uh, real quick. But can't do that. Can't spend the entire period in the penalty box. Carolina took, was it three penalties in the first eight minutes of the game? Are you kidding? Look, Florida's one of the best teams in the NHL. We knew that coming into this game. We knew that before the season started. A lot of people, I actually—I mean, I don't really officially make uh, predictions. I haven't. But to me, Florida's the favorite to win that division. I thought they have the. I I thought they had the best team in that division going into the season. Now you throw in the the injuries that Tampa's dealing with. And I think the Panthers are a legit Stanley Cup contender. And, you know, they're dealing with, obviously, uh, no longer having Joel Quenville as their head coach. But, I mean, the team is the team. And the team is excellent. Uh, So between Florida and Carolina and Tampa and Colorado and maybe Vegas. I'm not a huge Vegas guy. Uh, Edmonton is off to a great start. I mean, there's a bunch. Washington, I still think, is good. People complaining about Washington's goaltending, I think, I think Washington's goaltending is fine. I don't know if Washington's defense is great enough, but, you know, Washington's still an elite team in my opinion. But tonight in this game, Florida was faster. Florida was sharper. Florida played with more purpose in the game tonight. And I don't know if it mattered or not, but the Hurricanes beat the Florida Panthers 6-0-2 in the season series last year. Never mind that the games were close because there were four overtime games 
Uh, and I think all but one of those games that Carolina won in regulation was a tight game throughout. But I have to think, at least it appeared to me, that Florida played tonight's game with the mindset that we're going to show you that last year was a fluke, we're every bit as good or better, and even without Alexander Barkoff and Sam Bennett and Joe Thornton, who is, you know, kind of adding some uh, grit and size and experience to their group, even though they have plenty of all of that. Florida was just flat better tonight. We're going to talk to Alec Campbell in a little bit. Uh, and then uh, an interview I recorded with Tony D'Angelo on hmm, Thursday night, uh, which I don't know if uh, we aired part of it on the radio show the other day, but on Friday, but uh, it's worth your time. Uh, Tony, I, I'm a fan of watching Tony D'Angelo play hockey. Uh, Tony scr- struggled tonight. I thought there were some noticeable struggles uh, from some players tonight we will get to uh, in just a second. All right, so a couple of quick things I want to get to before we take a break and talk to Alec Campbell, and that'll come up in about, uh, I don't know, five or ten minutes. Um, I mentioned the Carolina goes to the penalty box. I think it was... Four power plays in the first period for Florida. They scored on three of them. They scored on all three of their full-length power plays, even though they didn't really need a lot of time, I think, in the second one. Um, And then there was 20 seconds of power play time when Andrei Svechnikov committed a penalty on Carolina's power play. We'll talk about it in a sec. Uh, So it was just a 20-second power play that Carolina was able to uh, erase. But on the first power play goal, and again, you know, we can sit here all day. Did Jacob Slavin, uh, was it a tripping penalty? I thought it was kind of weak for the first 37 seconds of the game. But, I mean, okay, he's in the box. You still have a chance to kill it off. And Carolina was that close to killing it off. So, yes, not only was it kind of a shaky penalty, in my opinion, it erased a Carolina chance. Maybe because Carolina was getting a chance, the referee put the arm up because maybe he thinks that that's why Carolina got the chance. So, okay, that's fine. I'm not going to argue the uh, the call, but here's the problem. Uh, Carolina's shorthanded. It's late in the power play. You actually have the puck on your stick with a chance to clear the zone. The puck comes to Tavo Teravainen, I believe, right on the left wall. And Teravainen, rather than get the puck all the way down the ice... The puck basically just gets beyond center. Just beyond center. So you cleared the zone, but you don't really get the puck deep. And now Florida doesn't really have to go back and chase it. And the reset is a little easier. And then it goes around to Anthony DeClaire. And Ethan Bear, if you're going to get out to block the shot, get out and block the shot. Because if you're not going to fully commit to that, Or if you can't get there, then you're better off getting out of the way so Frederick Anderson can see that shot cleanly. Uh, I don't think he saw it clean, and DeClaire beats him uh, up high, glove side, and it's 1-0, and we're, what, uh, 228 into the period. It's already 1-0 Florida. Carolina gets a power play right after that, and then Svechnikov... I personally thought that it was a nothing. And 
I'm kind of surprised that Jonathan Huberdeau went down as easy as he did, but penalty. So it erases the Carolina power play. Uh, four on four was fun. Uh, no harm, no foul. Nobody scored. Uh, so not that big a deal. Then the uh, the onslaught uh, just goes. It goes just goes haywire. Steven Lorenz uh, looked like he committed an offensive zone penalty behind the play. It leads to the Frank Vetrano goal, which was a one timer. Uh, there were two Florida Panthers in front of the net, but I kind of think that Freddie A did see the puck, and if he didn't, he should have seen the puck because it looked like there was a lane. Um, and Vetrano beats Anderson short side. To me, I thought that was the sign that this was not Anderson's night. I thought that was a goal that Freddie Anderson should have stopped. It was not in tight. It was from uh, well above the circle, and uh, or at least on top of the circle. Uh, and to me, Freddie should have had that, but he didn't. So now it's 2-0. Um, the Anton Lundell goal was a direct result of what I thought was a silly decision by Anderson with the puck. He went straight up the middle. He was trying to get the puck to Tavo Teravainen, but he didn't see the line, the Mike linebacker in the middle of the field, and it was easily intercepted. Uh, and then Anderson never got back in position, and Lundell scored from the left side of the goal, made it 3 nothing. Uh, then a Carolina takes another power play. This is uh, Martin Natchez with a careless turnover at the blue line. Tony D'Angelo tries to get back, but he's not as fast as Anthony DeClaire. He eventually slashes DeClaire. It, uh, Anderson makes a pretty good save, uh, but D'Angelo slashes DeClaire, and then you get the tic-tac-toe Hornquist goal, which you heard in the open. And it's 4 nothing. And Anderson made a couple of decent saves in this stretch, and I think Florida missed the net a couple of times. I mean, it could have been six. It's just a terrible first period by Carolina. And again, Florida was playing with purpose. And then we get to the second period. And we'll we'll talk about this with Alec Campbell. There's really, to me, there's I'm not going to debate anybody and nobody's here to talk to me about it. Auntie Ranta comes out to play the puck and Ryan Lomberg Lumb- Lumb- uh, is, I forget who he's skating with. I think it was D'Angelo. And Lomberg doesn't see Ranta, obviously. At the last minute, he does, to me, look like he is trying to avoid hitting Ranta. I thought it was the bad call. I thought um, five-minute major penalty and a game misconduct was the wrong call. Uh, if you want to call a two-minute minor, fine. Uh, but I know Tripp said this on the broadcast, I think after I had tweeted it out, I mean, I don't even see the penalty. I just see that as Lomberg going for a puck. All of a sudden, Auntie Rant is there. And it's again, it wasn't like Lomberg had a free, you know, like he was all alone. D'Angelo was st- with him step for step. So I didn't understand the five-minute major, but that's what it is. That's what it was. Carolina did score on it. Uh, it was the Vincent Trocheck goal. And look, I liked... I like the fact they scored a goal, but for me, that was five minutes of even-strength power play. Carolina wasn't good on the power play. Um, They weren't good at any point tonight on the power play. They had a couple of chances in the third period, uh, Carolina's best period by a million miles, Um, and Sebastian Ajo just wasn't there. 
It just wasn't wasn't a good night for uh, Aho, and that's too bad because Carolina probably was good enough in the third period to draw even, at least to make it a one goal game. So, but they just couldn't get that. They just couldn't get that break. They couldn't get that bounce. Aho missed a great opportunity on a slap pass from Andrei Svechnikov, and Aho missed another open goal. And he was uh, he whiffed on another pass uh, on top of the uh, right face off circle. Was not a good night for Carolina's best player. Just was not a good night for him. Uh, but, you know, he wasn't alone. Tony D'Angelo didn't have a good night. Martin Natchez didn't have a good night. Uh, there really wasn't a lot of good nights because for 40 minutes, Carolina wasn't very good. I'm glad that Rod Brindamore said at, to Abby Labar in between the second and third period that Carolina wasn't very good in the second period because I agreed. I thought Carolina was almost as bad as they were in the first. It's just Florida didn't have to score any more goals. So, and Florida had chances in the second period. Uh, And they had some chances in the third period. Uh, Real quick, I was glad that Rod made the goaltending change between the uh, first, you know, in the first intermission to go to Ronta. It sucks that Ronta got hurt. We'll see what happens, how long he's going to be out, what the injury is, and what Carolina does. My guess is... Uh, if it's determined that it's very short-term, it'll be Alex Lyon, who's got a little NHL experience, to come up and back up Freddie Anderson, maybe play a game when Carolina's got back-to-back home games Friday and Saturday of next week. So, could be that. Um, but if it's longer, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. Uh, maybe it's uh, A2 Emmy draft pick from a few years ago. I think he was uh, in Ron Francis's last draft. Uh, but he has come on. He's played well in Chicago at last look, and Carolina's got him close to home, I believe. So, anyway, I'd love to see. Um, I mean, if they could also just bring up Beck Warm, I think, right? Um, so we'll see what happens uh, with Ronta's injury. Uh, but Anderson, once he came back into the game, I thought Freddie played really well. I thought he could have had. Should have had two, two of the goals. Well, not that he should have had two. He should have had the Vitrano goal. Uh, I don't think he, uh, again, I don't think he got a great look at the Duclair goal, but he was directly responsible for the third goal. So that's where we are. I thought Carolina, uh, you just can't play poorly and allow a team to take it to you for 40 minutes and still think you have a chance to win if you're playing a good team. You can get away with that against Chicago. You can get away with that against Arizona. um, But you can't get away with that against the Florida Panthers. My man, Alec Campbell, Stormwatch, Aftermath, Intermissions, Hurricanes, Radio Network. And uh, is there a party? Did I interrupt a party? That's Bill Walton in person. Oh, man. My favorite part of of a Bill Walton interview is when he interrupts you during his introduction. (laughs) <laughs> oh, and he always has something to say about David Thompson. The devil. He's the devil. Uh, let's, all right. It was bound to happen. You and I have been talking about this. And it finally bit him tonight. They haven't played. I, to me, Carolina has not played a really good start-to-finish game since they played against Toronto at home uh, two Mondays ago. And you can get away with it against Chicago twice. 
and Arizona once, but the Florida Panthers, no, they don't play. That's one of the best teams in the NHL, uh, just like Carolina is, and they they paid for it tonight. Yeah, that's a Florida team without Alexander Barkov, uh, without Sam Bennett, no Sergei Bobrovsky in the net, although Spencer Knight's been pretty good for them. Yeah. So far this year, so I don't I don't know that it's you know a huge drop off. Although Bobrovsky has been good, yep, for them. Um, so they're missing. I mean, but you lose. I mean, you lose Barkov. I mean, that's. I mean, that's just a, it's a game changer, generally speaking. Yeah, Florida uh, could have had nine goals in the first period tonight if they had Sasha yeah, Barkov. Seriously. seriously, but um, you know, yeah. I mean, listen, you you mentioned the schedule. That's the one thing different about these two teams is Carolina, I think, has played worse competition through their first 10 games than Florida had. And I, I know Florida won three of their games in overtime, but, you know, they, they've beaten, you know, some pretty good teams, comparatively speaking. So they did it against better competition. So they looked strong tonight. Carolina obviously had an unmitigated disaster of the first period, which, you know, kind of felt like it was sort of set off by just a a bad, not a bad penalty by Jacob Slavin, but a bad call by the referees to start the game because I just thought it was sort of a ticky-tack call, and it kind of just snowballed from there, it felt like. I agree. You know, but but that was – here, here's my here's my quick take on maybe why they call that penalty because I thought that was a bad call, and I actually also think the call on Svechnikov was a bad call. Um, but but on the Slavin call, maybe the referee determined that Carolina was going to end up with maybe a three on one as a result of that, and that if it wasn't yeah. directly leading to an incredible scoring chance that he might have let it go. That's my only explanation, because to me it's not a penalty, really. Uh, and the Svechnikov yeah. penalty that negated Carolina's power play right after that, I mean, I don't really know what he did. I thought he and Huberto just kind of uh, bumped into each other, and then Huberto goes down. I'm like, that's really a penalty? It didn't seem like much yeah. of a penalty to me. Yeah. So, I mean, either way... You know they got them. They dug themselves too deep of a hole in the first period to dig themselves out of. And it's not the first time the Canes have allowed the first goal of the game. They've done that six times this year. Yeah, they were able to overcome it five times. They weren't able to overcome it tonight, and it turned into, you know, again sort of a special teams game. The Canes gave up five power plays again, but. You know, they did get kind of fortunate as well on the five-minute major they got in the second period when Ronta went out, which was just – and the whole thing was just kind of weird. The, the fact that Lomberg got ejected from the game, that was just kind of ridiculous. I um, mean, he he and Tony D'Angelo got 10-minute game game dis, uh, disconducts for completely different reasons. Um, D'Angelo I mean, took a slap that, shot of a rubber rat. Yeah, the fact that those two things give you equal penalties <laughs> is insane to me. We can probably get to that a little later. But, um, yeah, man, ultimately just too big of a hole to climb out of. I actually, you know, I kind of thought Carolina, 
I, I liked how they competed in the second and the third period. I thought their third period looked more like what you want to see from them generally. Yeah. Um, even the second period, I mean, you know, if you looked at that game on paper, they right. basically flipped the script on Florida in the second period. You looked at all the match. Yeah, I know. What Carolina did to Florida in the second period looks like what Florida did to Carolina in the first period. So I didn't hate the second. And again, you, you, you do what you got to do to try to climb back in the game score a couple of goals. You had to get one on the, you had to get at least one on the five minute power play. And yeah. They did, but then ultimately just not able to get anything in the third period in terms of goals. Yeah. I thought they were dangerous to start the third. I thought Carolina was very good. I, I, I said on Twitter, I thought the third period was representative of Carolina Hurricanes hockey. I really do. Now, yeah. It was 4-2 entering the third. Florida probably sat back just a touch, although they did have a couple of uh, couple of really good chances and counterattacks. Uh, but I thought Carolina was good in the third. It's unfortunate Sebastian Ajo did not have a good game tonight. Um, he missed some great opportunities to score. Um, you know, they could have made that 4-3 uh, on the power play probably midway through the third. Uh was a shot pass, slap pass from Svetch to Aho that he wasn't ready for. Uh, then he missed an empty net at one point. Uh, it just was not a good game. It was not a typical Sebastian Aho game, and that's unfortunate, especially since he generally owns the Florida Panthers. He's been more than a point a game against the Panthers in his career. Um, but I mean, you and I might disagree on the second period. I I thought Carolina was. Fortunate in the second period, they got a goal. Mm-hmm. They got two goals. Of course, they had the uh, the five minute yeah. major, which to me was a five minute even strength power play. They I didn't think Carolina was good at all. Uh, they they did not yeah. pepper uh, Spencer Knight with shot after shot after shot for five minutes. Uh, they got a goal, and even that was kind of a broken play because it was a shot that was deflected off the stick of Teravine and into the behind the net. Svechnikov kind of flips it in front. And Trocek, you know, batted it out of midair uh, for the goal. Uh, look, I'm, they got one. They needed to get probably more than one at that point, but at least they got one. But it wasn't a very good power play, I didn't think. I think the power play was weak tonight. Power play hasn't been that good probably for two weeks. Statistically, yeah. it looks good, but it hasn't really been that good for about two weeks. Um so I didn't like the second period. I don't think the head coach did either. If we uh... no, he he hated it. <laughs> he told he, he told Abby Labar that you know the first two periods were like a disaster or yeah. something. Whatever he said. No, listen, I'm not I'm not necessarily trying to fight for the second period as some great period. I'm just saying that's the difference between looking at naturalstatrick.com. Oh yeah, oh absolutely, and watching, and, and, and watching the freaking game. One hundred percent. <laughs> yeah, natural stat trick yeah. was so misleading in the second period. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, even like the even the you know even the the, the the more basic one. I mean, Carolina doubled doubled them up in shots on goal. Yep. Um, you know, it's just on paper, Carolina looked looked like a really good hockey team in the second. But it was just you know, I, like I don't I don't. But, you know, I don't, I don't love the things like not ready to play and things like that. I just I, – I don't understand how that's possible. Right. Like, I mean, like, there are, there are nights when you just – you don't have a certain level or, 
you, you know, the other team brings a level that um, overwhelms you. But, I, you know, really, I just think that even the first period is just a product of, of penalties. I mean, it was a pretty good power play from Florida. Yeah. You know, they, they get they, they, I thought pretty good shots. You know, if I was going to fault anything, I mean, I'm not sure what Freddie was doing on the one even strength goal they got. I don't, I don't pass. know. Was, what was he doing? I don't, I don't, I mean, did he mean to do that? I just, I don't even know if like he was trying to kick the puck out with his paddle or whatever he was trying to, I don't know. Or maybe it just, his paddle just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. I can't tell. Well, I think it started happened. when he was trying to pass the puck up the middle of the ice to, I think it was Taravainen. Um, and he didn't see the Mike linebacker standing there. And it was yeah, just I mean, a I, I dead giveaway. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's my point, is that the puck sort of squirts out from behind the net. So, like, I couldn't tell if that was on purpose, that he was playing the puck with his paddle or not. I don't know. Could have been. Either way, it's a bad giveaway, and they score. Yeah. So, I didn't like that. I didn't love, honestly, the near side goal from the right point. Um, Vetrano's yeah, the goal, side, the, the second power yeah. play goal. Yeah. I mean, and yeah. only because I just don't like near side goals. Like... <laughs> I mean, like you, you're biased you, against near side goals. How do you? I can't believe that. No, I'm just saying. Like, I feel like so they those should be, I mean, you should be pretty well sealed off on the near side, right? Like, I just, I mean, that's the idea is that you got to make them shoot a perfect shot to the far side to score. I mean, it's really a perfect shot to the near side too, if you think about it, because it's supposed to be sealed off. But I don't know. Near side, you know, you know, or uh, short side, they call them, what do they call them? Short side goals. Near post, I call them near post. Either way, uh, I know what you mean. Cause, yeah, because I'm, I'm a soccer player at heart. Yes. So near post goals always bother me. Um, so I didn't love that one, but I mean, you know, it's a great shot. And the, they had a tic-tac-toe goal. Where they basically just skated around everyone, yeah, or passed it around everyone. So I don't, I don't know that I, you know, I don't know how, you know, blameful I am of Freddie. I thought he was good the last half of the game that he played. I thought he yep. was really good. Since coming back uh, in, I agree. I think he was really good when he re-entered the game. That's tough for a goaltender too. Yeah, and I, I thought the Canes gave up a lot of like just mishandles and. Um, you know, odd man rushes, breakaway type situations tonight. I mean, I thought D'Angelo had a real tough game tonight. Yep. A- Anthony Duclair skated. I mean, he was the best player on the ice tonight. He was. He skated right around D'Angelo in the first period. And D'Angelo was forced to take a penalty. But there were just a lot of the, a lot of bad giveaways, turnovers that led to, led to breakouts for, uh, for Florida. So, you know, wasn't, it wasn't a good game. I mean, right. <laughs> Wasn't a good game. Well, you just you just mentioned um, because certain things lead to certain things. So that play where D'Angelo skated past, uh, rather Duclair skated past D'Angelo. Uh, and mm-hmm. by the way, later in the game, Duclair did the same thing to Martin Natchez. And when you can skate Natchez, you have done something. So Anthony Duclair is obviously fast. Uh, but that play began with a Natchez needless turnover right at the offensive blue line. And there was a lot yeah. of that tonight. There was a lot of poor passing from Carolina yeah. tonight. 
uh, and some puck management issues, obviously, but poor passing tonight. So that Natchez turnover leads to the declare D'Angelo situation, which leads to him taking the hooking penalty, which ultimately became the tic-tac, right, the tic-tac-toe uh, goal for Hornquist, where Carolina was just scrambling all over the uh, defensive zone. Um, they scored, right. but and that was also that was the f- the third goal in that stretch where Florida put the game away uh, in less than five and a half minutes. Um, and like nobody's going to say it, but it almost seemed like Carolina was uh, like they had they got a standing eight right there, like they were yeah. stunned. At that point, because it was one nothing, and um, it's like nine minutes into the period, it's still one nothing, and Carolina's getting just absolutely taken to the woodshed. And you're thinking, man, if they could just somehow get out of this period, one nothing, because they were they were so outclassed, and all yeah. of a sudden it was boom, 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 and it, the game was over right there. And I thought that fourth goal was more of a uh, situation on the power play where they were just out on their feet because uh, that was too easy. That was way too easy for Florida. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt about it. I mean, there was just way too much of that tonight. Um, but, I, I mean, I think there were some bright spots for Carolina. I mean, I like Jarvis again tonight. You know, yeah. Trocek gets his, uh, continues to kill his old team. <laughs> Two points tonight for um, Vincent Trocek. Yeah. Um, Flavin, I like I mean, I like Slavin tonight. He made a couple of nice plays. Where's this physical edge coming from from Slavin? That was some hit. I mean, I mean, we have we have the Jake DeBruff kit from the Boston game yep. a couple weeks ago or whenever that was, and then we have the Verhage hit tonight. I mean, like, listen, Slavin plays the position without being overly physical, and he's really good at it. So I'm not necessarily saying that. He needs to be, or ever really will be, some kind of ultra-physical player. But I know that players look at their games and they go, you know, where can I get better? I mean, there's not really many places where I think Slavin can get a whole lot better. I think he's an underrated passer. I think he is obviously great with his stick. He's a great defensive defenseman. But probably one place he could get better is just as a physical player. Yep. Uh, And I wonder if that isn't a focus for him because, I mean, we just haven't seen him lay these hits. It's remarkable that he is that good without really having a physical element to his game, but we have seen more of it. I hope we continue to see more of it uh, because when, uh, when he uses it, it's effective. He doesn't have to. He doesn't have to go around uh, trying to take people's heads off. He doesn't have to do that. No. Um, but I like. I, I think it's it's a it's an element that you need, and I'm glad right. I'm glad that he's showing it. And that was that was in a big spot too. Uh, Carolina yeah. was still trying to come back. Like I did. You know, I like the third period. Uh, it's too bad they didn't get a goal because I thought that if they could have gotten one early, uh, put a little game pressure on on Florida, who just blew a four one lead to Washington the other night. Uh, would have been it could have been interesting, uh, and and Carolina had plenty of chances to do it, uh, but you know sometimes you deserve the result. Yeah, and I think Jake Carolina deserved the game. Yeah, they they deserved the result tonight. 
no, no, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. But Jacob was also mad after the game too, visibly in the uh, on the, at the podium. You know, I mean, I don't know. I'm 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 projecting things, but Jacob's a where's an A? Yeah. You know, he was around for the Williams era, who was a leader on the team. And there is a part of me that wonders, like, how Jacob looked at his own game, leadership, style, you know, coming into this season. And if that's something that he's also trying to do as well, which is like, you know, kind of kind of emote a little bit more. Yeah. You know, show, show people that these types of efforts or these types of games cannot last. You, can't, you got to nip them in the bud immediately. Or, you know, I, I, hate, I don't want to use the word unacceptable necessarily because, I mean, they happen every now and again. But I kind of liked it from Jacob. Like, I kind of liked the, the physical nature of the game and the, the visible anger after the game. I think it is unacceptable. I mean, it's understandable because it happens. But right. it is unacceptable. That's that for forty minutes. That was not representative of what this team is is about. Um, but it's also it's something I think we've seen. It's, we've seen it building. So the, the this was bound to happen based on the way they were getting by in several games. I mean, it would have it might have been better for them to lose the game in Chicago, to be perfectly honest, because they weren't good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, they weren't. They just yeah. weren't good. It might have been better to lose that game, um, and maybe that maybe that kind of is a little bit of a you know smelling salts uh, because. Mm-hmm. And I think they'll be much better in Tampa on Tuesday as a result of what we saw tonight. I really, uh, I really do. I mean, I gotta say, like in terms of losing games, I I would rather lose to a good team than a bad team. If we're looking for silver linings here. <laughs> we would feel feel a lot worse to lose to Chicago than it does to lose to Florida, who is a team that you know is perfectly able to uh-huh. beat you. But would you rather lose to Chicago and beat Florida, or yeah. vice versa? I'd probably rather lose to Chicago and beat Florida. See, this is what yeah. I'm talking about. Yeah, I'm probably I'd probably rather take my medicine. Against the Chicago, right, and then dish it out against right. uh, against the team you're competing with. Yeah, because uh, then you're really fired up. For exactly. Let me, let me let me ask uh, you this before I let you go, Alec Campbell. How much do you think tonight had something to do with six zero and two against the Panthers last year? Um. I don't know. I don't think a lot. I mean, I, I, I have a hard time with, I mean, especially considering like half this Hurricanes team isn't even the same. No, no, I'm not talking about um, from Carolina's perspective. Oh, from Florida? Because you and I both agree that we can sit here all day long and talk about how bad Carolina was. I thought Florida was, yeah. was outstanding. Florida was mm-hmm. flying tonight. I yeah, think there they were was, good. To me, I thought that Florida played with more purpose uh, than Carolina did. 
And I thought sure. maybe Carolina tried to just kind of weather that storm because they expected Florida to come out. And Florida, the power plays obviously had a ton to do with it. But I just thought that Florida looked to me like a team that uh, was out here to prove that last year 6-0-2 was a, was a fluke. And it, it really kind of was. Um, four overtime yeah, I mean, games. So, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, they four overtime games. Um, and three of the other four were close. It's always weird to look at that. Like Carolina 6-0-2, Florida 2-4-2 <laughs> against Carolina last year. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I don't know. Maybe Florida just they, they just felt really good tonight. I have no idea. They did. They looked I mean, really good tonight. <clears throat> they looked really good. They were fast. I mean, they did it without Barkov once again, which I think yep. is insane for them. But they're good. I mean, listen, we've been talking about how good they are awesome. for a while. You know, last year I thought they were a really good team. They just kind of lacked the defensive. You know, their defense was just a little bit immature. Um, and but they they are they are a team that I think comes at you with a bunch of lines. Like they're not a Bruins with the the, the perfect line or whatever. They're not um, you know the Maple Leafs who who, who run the you know, the Matthews Marner line at you all <laughs> right. the time, you know, and I'm not saying like, I mean, Barkov's obviously a great player. Huberto is a good player. Ekblad's a good player, but it's not like they've got these, this, you know, you know, they, they just come at you with four lines. Right. They do. Uh, which they- I think is, is, is a different way of playing than when you play a Boston or a Toronto. How about uh, Patrick Hornquist playing on a third on a fourth line? That's where Frank Frank Vitrano is playing on their fourth line. He had a power play goal tonight. They're really really yeah. good. They're really really deep. Uh, Marchmont had a play in the middle tonight because Sam Bennett was out. He's been playing center for them. Uh, they missed two centers. They missed Barkov and Bennett. Uh, it's a really good team. Uh, I still think ultimately their weakness is sort of on the back end. I don't think they're great defensively, uh, mm-hmm. but I think they're good enough defensively if they get great goaltending, and I think they have the ability to get great goaltending. I think it's a wonderful team. Um, they're great. And so uh, no no I mean, shame I, losing. I, I, think, I think they're a lot similar to, to the Canes, honestly, the yep. way they're built. Um, the Canes just didn't play well tonight. Like, I don't, I don't think that this should be a trend for Carolina against Florida. I mean, I think they are perfectly equipped and capable of, of beating Florida. Doing the same year. thing to Florida. Yeah, exactly. 100%. I got two more, sh- two more chances at it. Uh, in uh, December, they play like within eight days. It's like December 27th and January 8th, like, you know, 11 days. They play twice in 11 days. The other two games will both be in Raleigh. So those will be fun games to uh, uh, to be at. I can, and I can't wait to be at those games. Um, and, I can't, and I can't wait to talk to you uh, after the Canes and the Lightning on Tuesday night. <laughs> oh, man. I can't wait to talk to you then either going to be fun it is all right alec campbell you're the best all right man enjoy your sunday no uh no no saying to dissect tonight don't no. have any anything like that we don't have to uh we don't have to parse bated breath 
I, yeah. I'm a little uh, embarrassed sorry. that I thought bated breath had something to do with with fish bait. Fish bait. <laughs> it just sounds like it should, doesn't it? Yeah, bated breath. I mean, who wants to, you know, have fish bait breath? Nobody. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, enjoy your Sunday. I think I'm going to make soup tomorrow. Oh, it's a I'm soup. I'm going to make a, uh, yep. yeah, creamy uh, sweet potato. I got to get, I can't, I need to get sage. I went to the store. I got everything except sage. Couldn't no find sa- sage? I mean, what? yeah, what the hell? Why is everybody out of sage? Maybe Kyrie Irving bought all the sage. Yeah. He's, he's, he's burning he's, sage everywhere. Every It's the only way, only thing he has left to do right now. Uh, to me, it is a, I think it's a creamy tomato soup day tomorrow. Yeah. Now, my wife found a recipe she wants to make. So it's like a sweet potato. It's got like, you know, sweet Italian sausage, sweet potato. Oh, very nice. It's like a creamy uh but I need sage. I need sage. It's the last thing I need. I All right, if I, if I, I can sage. find some, I will send it your way. If anybody knows where the sage is, tweet me. At Alec Campbell 5. All your sage tips to yeah. at give Alec your, Campbell 5 on Twitter. Give me your sage advice on where I can find sage. And I think we need uh, we need soup recipes. I, I have a good recipe for a butternut squash soup, which I like. Ooh. Yeah. I do like it. Yeah, let's get some good. Let's get some good soup recipes in there. All right, we can do that. That'll be our thing. The the rest. No, no more dog pictures. Uh, tweet us your soup recipes. Yeah, or even just a picture of the soup you made. <laughs> All right, man. I'll, I'll I'll talk to you later. All right. I said we were going to hear from Tony D'Angelo, so we're going to do that. And on Thursday, uh, caught up with Carolina's. Uh, new power play coordinator, if you will. Tony D'Angelo signed a one-year contract for just $1 million. We all know the background. We all know the uh, off-ice issues, I guess, that D'Angelo has had throughout the course of his career. Some were in juniors. He had some issues, uh, I guess, off the ice with the Rangers. Uh, but here's all we really know. The only thing we really know is that D'Angelo has been a good player for the Hurricanes. He's obviously talented offensively. The power play has worked pretty well with him quarterbacking it, although maybe not tonight and maybe not for the last couple of games. Uh, And he's actually done a very good job in all other areas of his game. He's been good defensively, good enough defensively. He's been kind of feisty, which I've liked. We had the Gordie Howe hat trick the other day. Uh, but um, he has been a good player, and he has been a good teammate for the Hurricanes. And at the end of the day, that's the only thing that you should ever want for any player on your team. Good player, helps you win, good teammate. Does seem like that's Tony D'Angelo. He's also, on the ice, a very creative offensive player. So much so that against Chicago... I wasn't sure if the pass, if it was a pass or if it was a shot gone wrong, but gone right at the same time. So I asked Tony D'Angelo, was it a shot or was it a pass? All right, I have to start with what I saw Wednesday in Chicago. Was that really a pass? No, that was uh, that wasn't on purpose. I got like 15 people asking if it was on purpose, not on purpose. 
I uh, especially try to give it to me there in the spot, as you guys seen. I was going for a one-timer, but it was kind of just a little bit on the inside foot, so perfect bounce. Anybody that's not listening to this, I'll tell it wasn't fast, but for the, uh, for the honest answer, it wasn't. So I'm sitting there watching the game with my 13-year-old, who is also a defenseman on his hockey team, and he said... Yeah, it was that was it. That was a shot. The pass wasn't wasn't good enough. Uh, and I'm like, man, I don't know. Tony does crazy things. I think it it speaks to what you've done already. That so many people thought it was a pass. Yeah, I think. Uh, I mean, I guess I watched the replay of it this morning because I didn't even realize how it uh, how it happened at full speed. And it definitely, I could see how they think that just because it landed perfectly. But just a lot. Well. Uh, sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. Um, one of the things, one of the things that I have appreciated about covering you in a short period of time, because obviously we're only nine games into the season is I think it's your honesty in assessing the game and your performance. So, uh, whether it's specifically about you or the team nine, Oh, and Oh, how do you think you guys have played as a group? Yeah, I think we're playing well. Obviously, we've had uh, an unbelievable start. I don't think anybody could have drew this start up as good as it's been. So you can't really, you know, there's not really too many negatives to speak on. I even thought last night, you know, last night wasn't our best game. I still thought we played we played fairly well, you know, especially come that third period. We just turned it up a notch. I think the first two, there was a couple of things that didn't, you know, didn't go our way. They capitalized on the chances that we gave them. But I thought outside of the, you know, I literally think we may have given them three chances and they scored in all three. Outside of that, I didn't think we gave up much. And uh, as you can see in the third period, we did a we did a great job getting two goals, and then you know the penalty kills. It's, I think the biggest thing about our team, what I've found so far, is how we could do uh, we could do a little bit of everything. You know, we need to score goals. We scored two in three minutes there in the third period. Then we have to kill penalties. We kill eight minutes of penalties. I think in in what an eleven minute span or whatever it was. Yeah. So it's just uh, just the way we're able to adjust and adapt to games with so many different pieces that do. So many different things. So I think that's what I've been most impressed at so far. Was Slavin on the ice more than he was off the ice in the third period? Yeah, as he should be. <laughs> he's, uh, I mean, he's he's a special special defenseman. He does so many good things with the puck. You know, his patience, his outlet passes, and then without the puck, and even an even bigger presence. I mean, guys, high level players coming down on him, and he he makes it look like it's. Uh, it's too easy for him to defend. He's got a great stick. He bats pucks out of the air. He reads plays so well. It's, uh, when you watch him from the bench, it's just uh, really, really, you know, it's impressive. I, mean, I wasn't here, obviously, you know, the last couple of years. But I've always played against Carolina a lot. Mm-hmm. And you always know, you know, you know how good Slava is. Now when you get to play, I've only been here nine games in practice, but it's like you're talking about five times, six times better than I even thought he was, which is, which is saying a lot. He's, uh, he's a top five guy in the league. Maybe even higher than that, in my opinion. Yeah, and the uh, he's got, I think, seven assists through nine games, too. Apparently, that's the only way you get Norris Trophy uh, recognition is if you score a lot. But, I mean, he certainly has that ability. Uh, we're talking with Tony D'Angelo. You were a Flyers guy, I'm going to guess, uh, growing up, right? Yep, I was. Up until I, uh, up until I got drafted, I was, I was all Flyers. All right, so you know your head coach is in the rafters. Uh, in uh, in Philadelphia, yep. impressions of Rod uh, before and what it's been like working with him over the last few months. Yeah, I mean, for uh, obviously, my family was big fans of him. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't 
in his era, you know, you were like the three. Flyers, I kind of was a little, I was a little, <laughs> yeah, I was a little young at the age that he was, that he was getting with the Flyers there. But I obviously knew who he was. But his style of play is what I think, you know, what I think hockey's all about. A guy that plays, plays hard, plays tough, plays both ends of the ice. That's kind of what a hockey's all about. And there's a lot of old timers that did it. He was, uh, and he was one of them. But as a coach, I think uh, I've been really impressed so far because I think he knows. He knows players so well because he was one for so long, and you know, a captain and stuff. He understands what the the way we feel, so he's able to he's able to coach and do the job with twenty you know twenty three guys so so well because he knows what's going on. I think some guys sometimes don't uh, they haven't played the game at a certain level or don't understand people to a certain degree have some trouble sometimes. But Rod, uh, he gets what we're going through. He knows what we're thinking, you know, and uh, I think. That's just the way he's able to, to do such a good job and, and get everybody to buy into what he's trying to do. As a first-year head coach, it occurred to me as somebody who has covered this team basically in its entire iteration as the Hurricanes, he has gotten players to care as much about things as he does. And I think that's a rare ability to translate that because he cares so much and he puts so much into it. And he's gotten everybody else to basically do the same thing and act the same way. Um, have you seen that from uh, him? Is there an example of something? Yeah, I mean, the example probably is just, just the, the buy-in of, of the team. You know, you know I, I always tell this, I think I've said it a couple of different times in interviews so far this season. You look at uh, some top players around the league, that, uh, you know, they're more offensive-minded, let's just say, you know, than they are worried about the defensive side of the puck. But when it comes to the guys we have here, we have some super, super high-level guys on the offensive side of things, and they're just as worried about the defensive end as they are the offensive end, and the neutral zone as they are the offensive end. And that's what impresses me the most, because that comes from, you know, that comes from Rod. That's, that's the buy-in to, to wanting to win and, and the work ethic to wanting to win. So, you know, you look at guys like uh, Ajo and and Sveshnikov and Turbo, just the, the work they put in on both sides of the puck and in practice to me has been the most impressive thing. And I feel like that comes, obviously that's the person, you know, the players that themselves that are doing that. But I think a lot comes from the coach too. You know, when you're, when you're expected to do that and you do it, and I think the coach uh, plays a big role in it. So that's been the most impressive part of me. So the first day I got here, even when it was pre-camp, the work ethic that this team puts in is the, uh, is the reason that we're, we're doing well right now. We're going to continue to do well. Ethan Bear talked about culture, and he is also a new guy. He, probably easier for you because half the team uh, are, I think, are former teammates of yours. Uh, but uh, <laughs> Ethan talked about, he, was, he said the culture was eye-opening. Um, what is, the, if, if I asked you, describe to me the culture uh, of this Carolina Hurricanes team. What is it? Uh, it's a good question. I would just say it's a team, and it sounds kind of stupid, probably. But this is a this is literally just team first. That's what the culture is. Everybody everybody gets along. A lot of really really nice guys, good people off the ice, and uh, it's just a team. We're all we're all on the same page. You can tell that kind of when you're first guy here. You know, you go to certain places. I guess a lot of guys. You know, we have so many new guys coming in. We've been we've been all over the league. Different guys from you know Bears. obviously remember We were in New York. A bunch of us. And then you got guys, you know, even rookies, everybody's just on the same page that we want to win. I think we have high expectations, and that's from the first day of camp. This is a team that's ready to ready to win, and that's what our focus is on. Nobody's caring about, you know, what we're doing uh, individually. There's no, you know, I feel like sometimes in hockey you have uh, in the past, if, if you're struggling individually, you know, say even if we're 9-0, but guys aren't, 
aren't producing as much as they would like to. Some guys are upset on other teams. That hasn't. That's not what goes on here. Everybody just wants to win and play and play hard. And that's like I said. I said it a couple times already here, but that's a really impressive thing to me, and I think it's going to be a big thing coming into the season. Right, who's the best stall brother you've played with? Well, I can't answer that one because me and, me and, uh, me and Mark Stahl were so close. He was my deep partner. I love that guy. Right. But uh, Jordan Stahl is, I mean, he's something. He is, uh, he's so much better when you play with him. Like, you know, you only play against him and, and once in a while, and you don't, you know, you see the flashing guys, Aho and then Turbo and all these guys, are high flying and scoring and dangling through people. But when you watch Stahl's night in, night out, what he's able to do all over the ice, just, uh, I can't even begin to tell you how important he is to a team. He's just a beast. He, the way he kills penalties, the way he takes face-offs, his, his possession in the zone. He does so many things that are uh, that are just not teachable and fewer to a team in a 60-minute game to find ways to win. He's uh, he's unbelievable. A great captain. He's a great leader. Better to play with him than against him, right? That's for sure. I mean, a guy my size has a little bit of trouble, <laughs> even in practice at times. When we go one-on-one, it's hard to get a piece of him. But uh, then I watch big guys in the game. I watch six, four guys in the game try to get a piece of them. They can't either. So I'm like, yeah, I don't feel as bad about it now. <laughs> All right, one, one more sort of goofy question for you. Um, I know you're a Philly sports fan to the core. I grew up in the New York area. I'm a Mets fan. If I said Chase Utley was a dirty player, your response to that? I would say he's a Philadelphia player. Philly, he's a Philadelphia-style athlete is what I would tell you. Yeah, that's that's what we loved about him. He's such a great player, man. He's one of my favorites. Absolutely. Great. great player. I hated him, but he was a great player. All right. Uh, a couple of serious things before I let you go. I appreciate your time. What was yep. last year like for you? Watching whether it's your teammates, you, you mean you're not do you you're not you're not playing. It was a different different difficult year anyway, but what was it like for you? Yeah, you know what? I, it was a tough year for me. Obviously, I was, uh, you know, I thought there was a lot of things out there that weren't that weren't true about me. Obviously, I made my fair share of uh, mistakes along the way in New York that led to me not being there. But I think that the uh, way it was described about my departure was totally untrue. You know, about things that happened that were not uh, hockey related. So that was kind of tough to swallow. How it just kept all piling on and piling on and turned into something totally outside of hockey when it really. But it really wasn't, so it was tough, you know, tough handling all that, not being able to defend myself really at all. So kind of just staying quiet. But I watched a lot of hockey. You know, I was, uh, I was still cheering on those guys. I, listen, I'm not going to lie and say I wanted the Rangers to go all the way and win last year because that was surely wasn't the case. But <laughs> I had so many friends there that I wanted them to do well. You know, Foxy wins in ours. I was happy for him. Uh, Stromer had his big year there. And on top of that, I watched a lot of other hockey, just trying to figure out where it might be a good spot for myself to go this year. We had some options there come the deadline. It was disappointing not to get uh, not to get traded, but it was also a different year, you know, salary wise. COVID and fan not having fans, they weren't ready to take on salary as much. It was a lot of things went into it, kind of went against me in a certain way. And uh, but it was good for me to just you know kind of sit back and and, and realize that uh, missing out on what I would like to be doing the most, and just knew that I had to come back this year and, and you know prove people wrong because I kind of. I felt that they were wrong, but there's a difference between feeling that they're wrong and then proving to them that they're wrong, right? So that's what uh, that was my goal for this year. And we're only nine games in, but I think so far so good. And I just want to continue doing uh, what I'm doing now for the whole season of playoffs.
I promised myself I wasn't going to ask you about the fans because I, it's just such an easy trope to get to. Um, but they did chant your name uh, the other day on the Gordie Howe hat trick night, which uh, was a fantastic, a fantastic game start to finish anyway. Uh, but it was against Chicago. Obviously, we're done playing Chicago. But um, I mean, that had to be that had to be just cool to hear. Yeah, it was uh, it was really cool, especially you know, like I said, I said this to uh, Abby Labar after the game when we did our interview there. I said that going off of what the, we went through when I first signed, you know, a lot of a lot of negativity, a lot of positivity as well. But there's a lot of negativity and, and fan backlash. And I did a questionnaire with the <laughs> reporters, and they were they were pretty tough on me there. And the when I was first signing here to then go in, you know, and there were some booze on opening night. I won't, you know, I heard a couple of booze on opening night when they announced my name. And so then you go, I think that was game seven. I'm pretty sure it was game seven. You get to chant my name. So that was nice. It meant a lot. You know, it's nice to see the people, uh, the people giving me a shot and then started to start to like my game. So I appreciated that. The fans have, uh, have been really good so far. They're really loud too, louder than I, louder than I thought. So I've been real happy so far. Uh, Super happy with my decision as you know as the season's gone on so far. So I think things are going to continue to get better, and I think the fans will uh, they're going to keep continuing to like me. Well, I don't think there's any question about that. I uh, keep uh, keep you know throwing up Gordy Howe hat tricks. Uh, it's good. You're, you, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that's really your uh, your thing throwing hands all the time, though, is it? I mean, it's not. Well, definitely not an all-time thing. I've done it a decent amount in my career. I say probably, I don't know, four or five times a year. It's probably been the average, maybe a little bit even less. But uh, just sometimes when I think it needs to be done or team they get hit, whatever, I just think it's uh, everybody needs to protect each other. But uh, definitely it's not the major part of my game, that's for sure. Yeah, we don't uh, – we need – as I said on uh, on Twitter – I'd much rather see you on the ice uh, than, than yeah. watching everybody else play. That's the way I look at it. No, for sure. I think Rod looks at it the same way. At the end of the day, Tony D'Angelo will be judged on his play on the ice as long as we don't have something crazy happen off of it. And through 10 games, Tony D'Angelo has been a plus player. And I'm not talking about on the stat sheet where he clearly has been a plus player. It leads Carolina in plus minus. He has just been a plus player. He has added two wins. And if that continues to happen, maybe they'll continue chanting his name. And that would be great. And it would be great if Tony D'Angelo became the player that everybody wants him to become. Still young, not big, but incredibly gifted. And that's a wrap. We're brought to you by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. If it's for the exterior of your home, you can find it at the Aluminum Company of North Carolina on Hamlin Road in Durham. Siding, roofing, entry doors, storm doors, gutter helmets, bay windows, bow windows, they've got it all. Get a free, no-obligation estimate online, aluminumcompany.com. Follow Kane's Corner Podcast wherever you get your podcast. You can uh, rate us if you want. You can review us if you must. You can just give us some feedback because that's what we like. Anyway, we're here after every Hurricanes game with the Morning After Podcast. I am Adam Gold. Thanks to Alec Campbell. Thanks to Tony D'Angelo. Thanks to you. And we will see you after the game against the Tampa Bay Lightning Tuesday night. Bye. This has been the Canes Corner Podcast with Adam Gold, presented by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. You can listen to this podcast at WRALsportsfan.com or wherever you get your podcasts.